Blog Talk Radio. of the double OT as we do it every every time this week on Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. I am Tim Gardner, host of the show. Along with me, as always, my co-host, the man with the master plan, the guy who actually swam Lake Washington, which is crazy as hell, Mr. Paul Byer. How are you, buddy? Good, brother. Uh, still uh, still can't believe I pulled that little, little piece of magic off, but... Uh, yeah, yeah uh, man. just uh, fired up. Uh, now it's it's now it's all about football since the the Mariners season's now officially over, and uh, I'm I'm not. It's a nice week to talk about it. Nice little bye week, get healthy, all that neat stuff. So we're ready to do a show tonight. Good times. Yeah, that's right. Tonight we're going to do an hour and fifteen minutes tonight, and we're going to be talking about, of course, your Seattle Seahawks. What's going on with the Seattle Mariners? Where do they go uh, going forward, especially. They were so close this year, but, you know, they weren't able to get really over the hump. And uh, Bear, Paul excuse me, Paul and I will actually talk about that here in just a bit about how they get over the hump. But I want to start off the, uh, the show tonight talking about, again, 
it's been rehashed through all the radio shows through the week, but Paul and I give our honest and biased opinions about what we believe and that win over the New York Jets, even though, Paul, I did not see one minute of that game. I actually had to watch the highlights after that because I went to church. But, look, man, I, I thought that, you know, what I saw was Russell Wilson at his best. And all the critics that are out there, everybody who says that Russell Wilson's an average quarterback, they look like a bunch of damn fools on Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, I, I don't think it was best. Uh, I think uh, the best is yet to come still for our, our main man, uh, Russell Wilson here. Uh, he is definitely not fully healthy. I mean, it's just evident to me. But the fact that he's playing or he played the way he did uh, in that performance against a very stout defense in the Jets, that is not something to, to be taken lightly, uh, was just outstanding. Um, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, 20, I mean, think about this, 23 of 32, 309 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, you take that every day on Sunday. Well, it was Sunday, so we will take it for sure. Uh, but uh, the rest of everything, just how uh, uh, Jermaine Fetty getting his first chance to play, the rookie first-rounder, um, you know, uh, the, the, the defense, uh, how, they, how they looked in the first couple of drives, just kind of you could feel them getting their, 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 their feelers uh, with the Jets' offense, which – I mean, really, to, to me, doesn't scare anybody. But, but after that, just completely shutting them down, uh, except for that fluky, absolutely fluky play at the end uh, to just give up a touchdown. But Jimmy Graham, I mean, doing his thing. And, again, that guy's not fully healthy yet. It, 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 lots of things are positive for this team going forward. And it's a good thing. I think the bye week, I, you never would have thought an early bye week would be helpful uh, to, to this team. But I think in this case it is because of the injuries we have, and it's uh, going to allow us to come back and, and get ready for a really daunting four games uh, against the Cardinals. Uh, I should say the Falcons, the Cardinals, uh, the, um, oh, geez, there's someone else in there. And then, of course, Patriots. finishing with the, uh, Patriots. the oh, Patriots and then finishing with the, 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 uh, the, the Panthers. So it's going to be a, a, a great next four games, and I think this team is going to be primed and ready to go. Yeah, I think so, too. You know, and I think the big thing about what what we should talk about right now, you know, starting off the show, Paul, is I think that we should talk about the offensive playmakers on this team. And let's not even mention Tyler Lockett, who's hobbled right now, Paul. But I, I would mention to say, with the, with the playmakers on offense, and, you know, for me, I, I just I, – I don't really want to talk about uh, Jermaine Curse at all just because right now I, I have a bias against him. I'm not a big fan of him. And, you know, later in the show, I'm going to have my little segment where I'm going to rip him when it comes to his effort. But everybody else, I, I think that, you know, Jimmy Graham stepping up the way he did, Tanner McAvoy, of all people, Tanner McAvoy catches his first NFL pass in the NFL, and he scores a 42-yard touchdown. And then you look at just everybody else. You know, Christine Michael keeps being consistent. Throw him in there, and look what he does. And, you know, look, I mean, the well-balanced offense that they have right now is really going to help carry this team along with this defense. Let's not to mention that this defense right now, they are elite. They are elite, elite. But, you know, let, we'll talk about the defense soon. But talk about, Paul, the offensive playmakers on this team just are incredible so far. It just it, it amazes me. And with Russell Wilson being as hobbled as he is right now, just, my gosh, I mean, how these guys are able to contribute is just amazing. Well, I mean, it goes to what we've always loved about Russell Wilson and his, we call it playmaking, but I call it his ability to see the field. Uh, he had, he targeted nine different receivers. 
he completed passes to eight different receivers. I mean, this is a topic right. that you and I have discussed for the last five years of, of, of what he's been able to do. Uh, and it's, it's evident to us that, you know, you see these younger quarterbacks who, for the most part, only throw to a couple of receivers, maybe, maybe a back every now and then. But Russell Wilson, since day one, has targeted and seen the entire field, multiple receivers, all of his receivers. And, you know, you, you mentioned uh, C.J. Spiller, you know, a guy that maybe a lot of folks around here might not know. This guy is a playmaker. And he's a guy that has, it seems like he's always been kind of pushed to the side. And, and he feels like he's now in a position where, hey, look, he's going to be splitting carries with C.J. Procise when he gets back. And, but C.J. Spiller knows he's that kind of a playmaker. He's a guy who has got a couple more years in the league, obviously. But he's a guy that, that can get open in space. And when he's open in space and gets the ball, he can make things happen. And you saw that. I mean, the guy gets in there. And he has, he's only had one maybe, one, maybe one day of practice. And he gets a, a chance to catch a touchdown, which FYI, that if you've seen, if you have not seen the video of, of Russell Wilson's uh, pass to CJ Spiller and, and not necessarily from the that we saw on T on TV, but I'm talking about from the end zone. It is sick, disgusting, everything under the sun. Amazing. Russell Wilson was able to make that thing happen because there was no room for error. None. And he absolutely, off his back foot, flying backwards, drilled a seed. And uh, C.J. Spiller caught it. And I'll tell you what, as much as, as, as McAvoy's you know, wide open touchdown, that was pretty simple for him. But uh, that, how awesome that was, especially for him to get it in front of the hometown folks. I, I was so impressed with that throw to C.J. Spiller and that <laughs> touchdown. And again, another guy just coming into this team. He feels good here. He, he, he feels like he's part of something. And, and, and that's the thing that's really going around. Uh, Soul uh, sent out a great uh, – our, our left tackle sent out a, uh, a, a text message here, or tweet message, I should say, talking about how he, he, he's never been in a locker room like this where everyone's playing for one another. And, and I think that's evident with the consistency this team has shown over the last four or five years. And, and you see that when you look at the other teams that are struggling, that are good teams, but they are really, really struggling right now, one of which in our division, the Cardinals. And another one across the the, the, the country in, in Carolina, very talented, but coming off real big seasons, struggling and struggling mightily. It just goes to show you how impressive this the Seattle organization is, and this particular this particular team with this with a, a large core group of players has continued to be uh, a dominant fixture in the NFL. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. I mean, and you and I will talk about the struggles of Carolina and of course Arizona here in just a bit because. If I do remember correctly, Paul, you and I in our early season projections, we both picked that Arizona and Carolina would take a step back. And, gee, mm-hmm. I, I wonder that. You know, and I think that, you know, you and I should really touch on that here in about 15, 20 minutes about that. But we'll get to that here in just a bit in the show. But, you know, look, I want to, I, what I want to mention, though, is that you brought up a really good point with Russell Wilson and how he's able to thread that ball in there, especially with C.J. Spiller. But think about this. That Doug Baldwin pass, but you know, with the two defenders really yes. sandwiching him there, that that play right there was absolutely just incredible by Baldwin and of course Russell Wilson. Uh, uh, same situation, but just uh, a longer distance. I mean, uh, you're taking out a 40 yard scenario where he threw a seed in there to, to Doug Baldwin, and Doug Baldwin, hey, look, this is why you love this guy. Not just the fact that he gets open, and he gets the job done. And he, he's a great blocker. I mean, honestly, one of the best wide receiver, blocking wide receivers out there. 
Uh, but he's also a guy that's willing to take the hit over the middle of the field. He knew what was, what was going to happen. And, uh, and he, 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 get, he, I mean, there's a lot of people saying he got knocked out in that play, like out cold. And it was very short lived because he did get up, but man, I mean, that, that is not an easy thing to do when you know, you got a guy barreling into you running a four, four forty at you and it's going to take your head off. And, and the guy again, catches it. But Russell again, has the confidence in his receivers to, well, Paul, you just cut out there, call back in and we can reestablish this whole conversation. But I think what Paul was trying to reach out was is that he had the confidence to really get out to, to these receivers and basically was able to thread the needle when it came down to it. I mean, if you look at it from this, I mean, his throws, especially with the way that he was so hobbled, were like, you know, I, I would just say, like, they, they put you not only in great status, but they also put you in elite status. And, you know, when Paul gets back on the line, I want to talk about the writers that are out there, especially uh, this guy, Manish, whatever his name was, from New York, I talked about Russell Wilson is, is a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. But, it, you know, great thing was is that, you know, he rescinded his words and he kind of apologized to Pete Carroll about that on <clears throat> Sunday afternoon about that. Because, you know, the thing for us is, as Seattle fans, what we look at on the surface here is that, you know, we don't get a whole lot of certain exposure up here. And I think that Shio Kapati, who came from a market in Philadelphia, mentioned this specifically about – why Seattle doesn't really get the exposure it really deserves. And, and when you look at it, when it comes to these other guys, they don't watch Seahawks games. They just don't. And other fans, they don't watch Seahawks games uh, to a full extent. I mean, you can ask Cam Newton right now, who's the most clutch quarterback in the game right now? And I guarantee you, he will say it's Russell Wilson because of that performance last year in that playoff game. You ask players around the league right now who they think is one of the most clutch clutch quarterbacks in this game and they're going to say Russell Wilson just because the way the guy makes his plays and what he's able to do and especially with that performance on Sunday with the MCL sprain and of course the ankle uh, injury I mean he he just you know stood out and that guy is just playing dynamite and I'm really really I you know anything that I I've ever said bad in the past especially last year when I said he's not elite you know I'm I'm eating my words especially today so Paul you back yet bud? Well, Paul's not back yet, so we're going to go ahead and actually talk about – I'm going to raise a question out there for, for you listeners. And um, when it comes to this market right now in Seattle, do you think that Russell Wilson is still undervalued? And I'm going to ask this because of how people still think that Russell Wilson is not an elite quarterback. You know, you, they still say his size. They still say that, you know, he cannot – you know, he cannot perform under the clutch. He cannot – he's not a type of quarterback that can stay in the pocket and really throw a good football. Well, I'll tell you what. From a guy that was that said last year, especially on their struggles when they, they, they were not performing well uh, in the start of the season last year, I, you know, I said that he was not that type of guy. But I am – well, Paul's back on the line with us right now. Paul, let's give you five cents on the full field. Well, Paul, I guess you're not back on. Talking to myself again. Anyway, that performance against the Jets, I thought, was just one of his most remarkable performances that he did, especially against that type of defense. Who's, who's, they are a shutdown type defense. I mean, keep in mind, that, that, that defensive line that you look at with the Jets, they are 
loaded and loaded with first-round draft picks. And, and they have guys that can really get to the quarterback and really get on, uh, you know, an offensive line who's, who's just as weak as the Seahawks have been. But with the, with the addition of Fetty back in, in there, I think that brings some toughness in there. And, you know, you look at, you know, the growth of Justin Brent right now. Pro football focus, guys. I'm just letting you guys know this right now. Pro football focus, they, they basically said, you know, that, that Justin Britt was the highest rated offensive lineman other than somebody else. I mean, 87% last week and how he's playing this year. Justin Brent has been phenomenal. And what I want to say about Justin Britt, his transition from the tactic spot to the way Center line. I, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this guy has become a major, major factor to this offense. So it's very impressive. Are you back yet? Well, I hear. You know what I hear in the background? I hear. Um, you guys hear the same thing I hear? I our our opening theme. And Phoebe, if you're out there right now listening to this, please be texting me. And let me know that you hear the same thing that I hear. I'm hearing uh, our opening theme going on right now while I'm talking, which is hilarious. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, dropping burpees are awesome. I love them, and they are fantastic. But, anyway, just want to get your guys' perspectives on this. If you guys want to call in, please do call in. We normally never take calls in because we are a short podcast, but you can call in 646 595-3573. Tell us if you do like the Dropkick Murphy song, as well as uh, you know, the Seahawks performance from last week. The offense, you have a lot to be just so excited about. Defense, we're not going to mention that right now because they were so outright awesome. And why play? I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is the biggest idiot in the league for even trying to attempt to do that. I think, you know, it says that he has a whole lot of respect for Brandon Marshall, but when I look at it right now, that, you know, I look at like Grant Fitzpatrick, he's always going to be an average quarterback in this league and my gosh, I mean, for him to do what he did against Richard Sherman with two picks, he threw three picks that game. So look at look at this right now with, with Fitzpatrick his past two games. Eight picks. Eight picks in the past two games. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And you cannot be a successful franchise when you, are, you know, you have a quarterback that throws that many picks. It's just crazy and ridiculous. And Paul, are you back yet? Or are you just uh, hanging in the, in the woodwork? And I guess I'm still here with you guys by myself. So let's just keep talking. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Well, back to Fitzpatrick. You know, I look at Fitzpatrick, and and, and I, you know, with the Jets they have a really good defense. They actually have playmakers on offense. You look at Decker. You look at Matt Forte. You look at, um, you know, Brandon Marshall. They've got guys that are there. And for me, I, I was really, really, really afraid that Seattle would just go into to New York last week and actually maybe lay an egg because of their past performances, especially against the Rams. But, man, I mean, for me being a Seahawks fan, just in general, watching what they did it just blew me away. It just blew me away. It reminded me of that 2013 team that, that was able to really hold the fort defensively and then offensively they were able to make plays. Now you got a new running back as opposed to Marshawn Lynch. You got of course Christine Michael there, you got CJ Spiller. It's kinda of by a committee, but you know, it's very, very encouraging. And then you got playmakers that are there on 
the wide receiving side. I mean, like, let's not even talk about Jimmy Graham and his performance as well. Unbelievable. Um, they talk about he had over 230 yards the past couple of games, which is incredible for a guy coming off a uh, that that type of uh, you know ligament tear that he had for the past couple of years. So, I mean, if you look at it collectively right now, there's a lot to be excited about. You get your quarterback to heal for a couple of weeks, and then you got Jimmy Graham. It's going to heal a little bit, little bit more. And possibly you get Thomas Rawls back. Now, that, that running back position is going to be a crowded room, so somebody's going to have to leave. And you look at it right now, and I would just have to say, guys, let me get your opinion on this, but I do think that Alex Collins is going to be the odd man out. Because if you look at it right now, you got a playmaker and, and a TJ or CJ Spiller that can, you can step in right away and, and make plays for. And then, you, of course, Thomas Rawls, if he does perform, he's a hard runner, then Christine Michael. So you got three guys there. And then, of course, you know, you got Nick Vanette coming back in a tight end room. So you have three tight ends there. And you've got your wide receivers. I'm not going to talk about Jermaine Curse. I, I just, again, I'm not a big fan of Jermaine Curse. And here's the reason why. I. His effort in the in the first three games before this game, excuse me, two games, yeah, three, uh, three games, excuse me. I I look at his effort and what he was able to do, especially in that Rams game. You know, missing a lot of key passes, which Russell had right in his hands. You know, he just did not look. He looked scared. You know, when it comes to guys playing in this league, you know, when they get paid, they get complacent. For me, unfortunately, with everybody else on this team, you look at everybody. Even if they get paid, they still play. And for Jermaine Curse, I look at him, and, and, you know, he's a big game guy, and I get that, but he has to earn my respect because I look at Jermaine Curse, and I, I think that, you know, he he's not happy with the contract that he got. I think he got under – he feels that he got underpaid. And that's my opinion right there looking at him. It, when I look at Jermaine Curse, his effort is, you know, it just seems to be like, ah, you know, it is what it is. And – you know, for for me, it just it just seems like he's a very non-factor this year, and everybody else seems to be a factor. So, Paul, you back yet, or am I just I'm back myself over and over? Hey, dude, I don't know what happened. Um, seriously, I, it looked like someone else maybe called in or something, and it got it kicked me out. I couldn't hear anything, and anyways, I was about to call in on my phone, and then all of a sudden, it showed uh, in the studio that the host was gone, and I could call back in. So, whatever. I'm here. Yeah, really sorry, because, sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's cool, bud. You know, it, it's really weird because we got, I mean, um, we got the theme theme song for our show to play over and over. It played again. And, ah. and then, uh, you know, just dead silence. And I just went off on a, like a 10-minute rant talking about Jimmy Graham, Jermaine Curse, why I don't like him. Uh, you, you know, Alex Collins, I think he's going to be either placed in IR or I don't think he's going to be either on this roster here soon because of the, uh, Thomas Rawls getting back. So many damn things I just talked about. Paul, ah! please put your finger on all this. Please go ahead. Oh, boy. Um, let me start with uh, – let me talk about what I think uh, – let me talk about the defense for a second. Um, I, you know, it, I, think, I think probably one of the craws in most fans, uh, 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 you know, that sticks in their soul when they think about our team is why, for whatever reason, do we seem to give up decent drives against our opponent in the first drive of the game? I mean, is that something you've thought about? I'm sure it is. And, and you know what? I know exactly what it is. It's 
every every one of these teams has to come up with a way to defeat our defense. It's so strong throughout the the, the wherever you want to wherever you want to talk about whichever position group. There's no there's no weak points. Okay, so these these teams game plan, put together you know these beautiful little little paintings per se. And, and say, we're going to come out and do this, and it's going to work, and this is why it's going to work. But the fact is, is that whenever you do that, our team is always able to adjust. And, and we make the best – Some of the, it's, it's like a Nick Saban coach team, you know. They, they always make second-half uh, uh, changes, and, and they can come out and, and shut you down. Well, the Seahawks can do that after a first drive. And as long as we don't give up a touchdown, it's basically call it a game because – you know, it, this, this, the Seahawks team is so talented. That defense is playing so strong. They're, they're, they're shutting down the running game of, of opponents running games. Unlike last year or last few years where, where we've looked really good. And then we've given up some, some gonzos, some games are just like, what the heck just happened? But they're not doing that now. They're, they've come out four games and they have, they have shut down opposing teams, running games, the passing game, there's been some holes. Well, that Rams game, for instance, I thought there were some plays that I, I can't believe they gave up big plays against the Rams passing attack, but they didn't allow touchdowns. They only allowed field goals. And that is, that is when you look at, everyone talks about right now the Minnesota Vikings and their defense and how good they are. And my God, look at the numbers they're putting up, blah, 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 blah. You know what? They've only allowed four less points than the Seahawks defense. It's 54 to 50. And I'm telling you right now, uh, if you look at the rest of those numbers, the Seahawks are right there, passing, running, rushing. And, and, and it just goes to show that they've been able to do this for now four years in a row. And, again, it's early in the season, but it's something that I expect them to be able to keep going forward. And uh, I, it, is, it just goes to show what Pete Carroll has been able to do with his defense, his scheme. And, and again, not something flashy. They, opposing teams know what they're going up against. Well, guess what? They still can't adapt after four years, and uh, it's uh, it's really something special to watch. Yeah, it's something special to watch, but I also think at the same time, you, you're getting guys that are stepping up this year, like Deshaun Shedd, who's played, I think, in my opinion, probably, you know, one of the, he's playing at elite level right now. And, you know, taking over for that Byron Maxwell role, which you didn't have last year, having Deshaun Shedd being that type of guy that, you know, they threw on him, I, I don't know how many times last week, but he, pat, you know, only seven yards allowed. Seven yards, Paul. And you look at what he's been able to do this year. Pro Football Focus actually rated him number one corner in week one uh, this year. And, you know, he continues to step up and play at a high-level play. And then you look at everybody else that's on. I mean, Cassius Marsh played really well last week as well. So you you got to look at these guys who – a lot of people from the service never thought they would step up, but look what they're doing, man. They're, they're incredible. Yeah. I, I, I'm telling you, we got no holes. We got no holes. And, and we still haven't seen some of the bad, uh, the young talent. I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, we have, uh, uh, Reed is going to be back here soon coming off injury. Uh, and then of course, I mean, Frank Clark has been doing good things. Even in these first four games, you know, we haven't been saying his name a lot, but there have been moments where he is really starting to do some things. And Michael Bennett has been all over the field. Cliff Averill doing things. They're, they're getting to quarterbacks. They're, they're putting pressure constantly, which is what they do. They put pressure on the quarterback. They might not get to him, but they make them move, and they make them have to do things. Well, that's what they keep doing. And then the, the speed of our linebackers 
just again, they're just making it happen all over the field. Now, you brought up something I think is really interesting, and uh, uh, we're talking about Deshaun Shedd. Well, you also brought up Byron Maxwell. Byron Maxwell, for most people that might not know, he's on the bench. They have been he has been benched in Miami, and you think about is it the scheme? Is it the player? You know, Deshaun Shedd, who the hell is this guy? Well, we know who he is, but other people don't. I wonder, really, is it the scheme? I I mean, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. I think our guys are talented. You know, I think Sherm is still one of the best. I mean, you see what he does against, uh, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Marshall one-on-one this last week. You know, two picks, and his passer rating against him was like 42 or something. I don't know, ridiculous. But, But what happened to Byron Maxwell? I mean, I'll tell you what, he got paid, but, man, he's on the bench. I mean, he's going to get cut, probably. I mean, I know that's crazy to say because they'll have to pay him, but, I mean, he might get cut. I'm sure he'll want to come back. I mean, is it the scheme? What is wrong with Byron Maxwell, and and is Deshaun Shedd really this good? Well, you know, I think you you have to give a lot of credit to Chris Richard and what he's been able to do for the past. I mean, last year... You know, I ripped him. You ripped him. Barry ripped him last last uh, year. But, you know, I think he's been able to really establish what he's been able to do. And, of course, you can talk about Pete Carroll and what, you know, he's one of the greatest defensive coaches of all time because he knows how things work and how you're able to really go against opposing offenses. But, you know, you look at Chris Richard and how he's been able to adjust this year, Paul. My question for you is, you know, his coaching adjustments, how impressive are they this year? A lot better than last year, <laughs> and and yeah. and that might that might be because you know he's got uh, deeper reserves. You know he's got more play playmakers around the field. You know he last year we did not have the the depth uh, that this this team has, but you know I I, I got to tell you it's just been a lot stronger. And now I, I I would like to see them limit that first drive. You know I mean we're kind of used to the Seahawks shutting teams down, getting the ball back to uh, the offense in good field position. But, but you know what? I mean, it, as long as they don't allow a touchdown, that's fine with me. But I, I would, I'll tell you what, they're making quick, easy changes. They're doing it, you know, relatively early in the game and they're able to just completely shut down these opposing offenses. And uh, look, we got the, the toughest uh, of our schedules yet to come. And it's going to be a tough next four games after this bye week, but we're going to really find out how good they are. And, and and glad I'm glad we're going to find out at home against this Falcons team that is just playing lights out offensively, especially. And Julio Jones, my God, the guy's just playing at a whole nother level. Uh, but but you know what? You got Matt Ryan, who's not a super mobile quarterback. You know, he's got some decent legs, but he's not going to be. He wants to stay in the pocket. And uh, man, it's going to be exciting to see how this this type of this is the kind of team that we could torch defensively, and especially getting them in our house with the noise. It should be interesting to watch. Yeah, it should be. And the big thing for me, I mean, as we go forward looking at the schedule, I think that, again, I don't think it's going to – I mean, I thought the first four games were actually probably the most brutal games because you look at the Dolphins' defensive line, you look at, you know, the Rams' defensive line, then you look at – I mean, they were really, really tough, tough games to play. The only game I really – I think I'm scared of right now is that New England game with Tom Brady getting back. But then – you know, again, in big pressure situations, the Seahawks always seem to step it up. So, I mean, there's a lot to be very, very, very um, – I, I think, you know, for me, I, I think it's going to be something to see because I do think that, that Seattle is going to go over there in Foxborough and they're going to play a great game. Now, looking at, 
what I said earlier. And, and let's touch on a couple of bits before we move on about like the schedule and everything like that. But Paul, I have every right to really, really criticize, you know, Jermaine Curse because you know I, I, I I'm going to pick on him, and, and I'm not a big fan of him right now. I think that. Everybody else on this team right now, they're buying in. I mean, I'm not saying he's not buying in, but I, I, right now with his play, it just seems like he gives up on a lot of key like catches, a lot of different things where he just doesn't play as hard as he should. And I am ripping him, and yes, I'm going to rip him. Because, you know, you look at everybody else and their efforts that they give. Unfortunately, when it comes to Jermaine Curtis, I, I, I'm not buying into him right now. I I know. <laughs> I I, I can understand that. I mean, it's uh, pretty evident based on the, the speech that I didn't hear, but I know you, you talked about it. Um, look, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be critical of him because I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen enough tape where, you know, it doesn't seem like he's been getting the balls thrown his way as much. You know, does that mean he's just not open? Uh, more than likely because, you know, that's how Russell is. You know, he throws to the open guy and, and, and uh, he throws whoever is open throughout the field. I mean, he, he uses the entire field. And I just talked about that with his targets of, you know, eight different or nine different players on this team. Um, but, but the one thing I can say that I know about Jermaine Curtis is that he does block. Okay. And this is a run first team, right? And, and he does block very well. I, I mean, that's what I have seen that. And Doug Baldwin and him, they're two of the best blocking receivers in the game. Now, as opposed to, you know, what you had mentioned about potentially him being upset with the contract or, you know, then maybe not giving it his all. I don't know. I got to tell you, I just I, I don't know enough to say that. I, 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 and I look, you can say whatever you want to, but I, I'm not there. I'm not there. And uh, and you know what? Every time it does seem like you cut that guy out and you don't think he's going to bring it. He comes in with some you know legendary performance. And to think again, to think that. If we had beaten the Patriots, which we should have in that, that Super Bowl, back-to-back games, two of the most memorable catches in Super Bowl history would have been made by Jermaine Curse. You know, now it's only I get one. That. But but I get, you know, and that's again, that's in the past, and we're talking about right now. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if I'm there yet with you, and I, I'll watch. I'm gonna watch because you said this. I I just I don't know if I'm there yet personally. Yeah, well, you know, again, like you said, you don't watch enough tape. So I'm going to go ahead and actually duck you five points for that. So you, you yeah. just you don't watch enough tape. And, you know, I'm going to rip you for that because, again, watching Jermaine Curse play to me can be very nightmarish and very havocish because, you know, I look at him and, you know, at times when Russell has the ball right there, it just seems like he doesn't give enough effort. Just it's something. I mean, maybe the first couple of games, maybe he's scared. I don't know. I have no idea, but I, I will tell you. I, I mean, <clears throat> no, Phoebe, you don't watch enough tape. Stop it. Anyways, um, <clears throat> she's she criticizing me right now, saying I don't watch enough tape. Well, you know what? She's not like I'm gonna go ahead and rip on Phoebe real quick. <laughs> she's listening to this podcast. I'm a, I'm actually gonna tell her right now, and I'm gonna have her listen to this. She just started watching football back in 2012 when they started. Were, they they were able to be you know a really great football team. So bandwagon. she, you know, before, yeah, well, she's not a bandwagon. I gotta, gotta give her a lot of credit, but you know, for her to criticize me about things, I, she needs to like not criticize me because I will take her to school every day and serve her a freaking hash brown breakfast every day, and she needs to knock it off. So yeah, Phoebe, if you heard that, yeah, go ahead. Anyways, Phoebe is one of our main contributors to this show. She's also on the show with Joseph Muldoon every Saturday or Sunday called. Um, 
Bragging Rights, which is a great show, and please do listen to it. And uh, yeah, but I, I I have a bone to pick with her, and she has a bone to pick with me. So, anyways, moving bone on pick. to Jimmy Graham, and just bone is picked, yes sir, like a fine ham. I appreciate that. So, um, <laughs> anyways, moving on, Paul, talking about uh, Jimmy Graham and just how his dominance has been, and I think that this guy has just been electric and. With Nick Vanette getting back here in a couple of weeks, I mean, how deep is that tight end room right now? I love it. I mean, Luke Wilson and what he's grown into, Luke 2Ls Wilson, a uh, little Canadian guy, little Canadian. There's no, no other country would spell Wilson with 2Ls except someone from Canada. Let's just call that what it is. But uh, I digress. Um, and then I, I can't wait to see Nick Vanette. I really can't wait to see him out there. Uh, I, I think they might use him a little bit in the in the in the backfield, believe it or not, uh, to do a little blocking as a fullback. But I, I know this is a guy who who has been special at times at college in Ohio State with his pass, pass passing receiving uh, capabilities, and uh, he's got great speed. But but yeah, just to kind of, kind of go back to Jimmy Graham, and he's just been and look I, like I said before. I don't know if you said, heard it all, but he looked like the Saints Jimmy Graham this last week with. The balls he was catching, it was clear Russell was throwing to spots where no one else could get except, except Jimmy. And he was catching one-handed balls on his back shoulder. You know, he was going into, in the middle of the field, uh, getting balls up high. And, and he's obviously got that confidence back. He feels good about his leg. And, 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 and he, he is going to have, I think, going forward on a, from a fantasy perspective for fantasy owners out there, if you don't already have Jimmy Graham, that's a guy I'd be trying to target in a trade for sure. Now, I happen to have him in a few of my teams, but that's, you know, that's my own thing. I was, I, look, I know what I'm talking about. That's why I'm, you know, that's why I'm doing this show. That's why I was on top of this. Other early. than so, Jermaine Curse, other than Jermaine Curse, <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> but the fact is, Jimmy Graham is, uh, he's, 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 him and Russell are getting comfortable with one another. And I think it's evident uh, and uh, it's it's only going to continue to get better, folks. I'm telling you, this is this is something to get really really excited about. And and again, don't harp on Jimmy. I've never harped on him. I, I you know I think we all kind of played into that uh, a stupid stupid thought process. And and look, it's just it is what it is. It takes time. And uh, I don't I think I think we're lucky that everyone survived some pretty crazy horrendous injuries. Now we're back. Now we're going to be really healthy after you know two weeks from now. And uh, we're going to really get to see this offense, I think, blossom even better. And Christine Michael, hey, hey, well, who would have guessed that? Who would have thunk that, huh? Uh, wow, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a dominant offense in the second half, not even the second half, but the second quarter of the season. No, I agree. And looking at what they have, you know, especially, I think they're going to be really jacked up for that New England game, and I think they're going to be ready to go. So we'll see. I mean, and that's the thing about this team is I, I, I think, again, after the way that they played in New York, I, I think they're going to be ready for the big time coming up here. And, and you know that they have that Carolina Panthers game on their schedule. They circled that game, especially because of what happened last year. Two games they lost, one game in close fashion, one game and also embarrassment on national TV. So you look at it, I, I just think that, that Seattle is going to really uh, get – Get really, they're going to step on the the throat of Carolina while they are down. And let's talk about Carolina and Arizona right now, Paul. Um, you and I both talked about uh, teams that were going to disappoint most in, in the NFC this year. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. let's touch on this real quick. Let's touch on Arizona and, and let's talk about Carolina. And you know, look, I'm not. You know, I mentioned the loss of Josh Norman was going to be huge. 
But I didn't think it was going to be this much of a factor. My gosh, Carolina, what's going on with this team? I mean, look, I mean, you know, going against a team, they allowed over 500 yards receiving against a, a team like Atlanta last week. I mean, just I can't believe, you know, looking at that team from this year to last year, they've taken that big of a step back. But, you know, I did predict it, and I do think that Carolina is going to take a step back this year because I look at teams in that division, and they're going to take a step forward because of what how they drafted and what they've been able to do. So, look, I mean, I think Carolina is one team that I look at right now my prediction and your prediction came true. I just think that they are going to take a step back and it's evident right now. Wow. I mean, uh, to, uh, you know, I hate to be just tooting my own horn, but man, you, you and I did call this. I mean, and uh, we did it. We did it with the right, all the right reasons. I mean, we said, this is what was going to happen. You, first of all, this is the NFL folks. And the coaches who don't get a lot of credit are, really all of them are for the most part geniuses at this game. I mean, they know it like nobody's business and you give a defensive coordinator a summer to really look at, we talk about tape. Well, they actually do look at the tape and they watch it, you know, 24 hours a day. They sleep on cots, you know, making a million dollars a year uh, in, in offices that, that are no fun. It is the no fun league, you know, the NFL, but uh, these guys figure it out and they, and I'll tell you, that, I think that's what we saw with both of these teams. It's not like, you know, you have incredible playmakers other than maybe like a Cam Newton. I mean, especially you look at the offense of the, the Panthers. I mean, it's, it's Cam Newton. That's it. And, and I think he's pretty one-dimensional. I've said this before. He's an amazingly talented, but he's one-dimensional. Uh, and and you, then you talk about the defense, who, who is sound but lost some key players. You already mentioned them, Josh Norman being one of them. And that, that backfield, I mean, they are – talk about – just a secondary that is just, you know, tape, tape, uh, duct tape together. Uh, but the front, the front side is, is good. The, the line, the front seven, the linebackers, those guys are all solid, you know, very good. It, it's a good team. It's just that the, the coaches with enough time, the coordinators, they're the ones that spend this time, can figure out how to take advantage of whatever their nuances are. And I think that's what you're seeing, especially with Carolina, because I do think their offense is one-dimensional. Uh, and especially with Stewart being out right now, I think it's even made them more one-dimensional. Uh, the, the, the Cardinals are, are really interesting. And, and I got to tell you this. I think, well, one, the loss of Carson Palmer, he's not even playing, folks. I don't know if you heard that yet. Uh, his concussion, I guess, is pretty substantial. And we knew that if he goes down, their season's over, all right? I mean, Drew Stanton is going to be starting for them. But here's the thing. Their team, especially on the, uh, the offensive side of the ball, it, it revolves around quick, quick hitters, you know, quick passes, you know, Carson Palmer, who's not mobile. And again, one hit away from being dead, probably he needs to make sure that he get he gets, he gets that ball and gets rid of it. Well, I, I remember that, that, that Buffalo game in red zone. I watched a lot of those plays on red zone, NFL red zone that Sunday. And what I saw was one receivers who weren't getting any separation. Uh, everyone's talking about Michael Floyd, who I'll tell you what, that guy, looks like he's running a five, six forty out there. I mean, he looks slow. I mean, they were covering him with linebackers. And this is a guy who, who, who caught two balls against us that beat us in home the last four years that I was like, how the hell did that guy get open and catch that ball? I mean, guys are on him. Well, this guy can't run. I don't think he can beat me in a foot race right now. Now nah, I'm joking a little bit. He could probably beat me in a foot race, but you get my point. He doesn't look fast. And so I think that's a team who got fat 
and 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 lazy on themselves and their success and got high on Bruce Arians and all of his you know new sheriff in town BS. And guess what, folks? They're getting it. They're getting it brought to them. And and they aren't re- they aren't acting like the Seahawks who who when they get punched in the face come back. They, we've seen that with the Seahawks every single year. They always freaking come back. Well. The Cardinals don't. They don't have that heart. They haven't found it yet. They got. They had a great season last year. God bless you. Guess what? It's a new year. You got to come back and show it. And you know what? They they aren't, they aren't able to. They're not capable of it. And now with the injuries they're facing, man, I'll tell you. I think they're in for a long year. And I don't think it's going to get better for either of those two teams, Carolina or Arizona. Uh, and uh, it's uh, it just goes to show you again how special the Seahawks team and organization are, and what they've been able to put together for. Uh, again, a window that is still wide open for them to take advantage of from the standpoint of, of Super Bowls and, and, and championships. Well, you, also, you mentioned, I mean, like you talk about the Cardinals. And for me, I, I, I think, you know, I, I, look, I got, I got a bone to pick with them. You, we mentioned that earlier with the ham. And I get that. But, um, you know, look, you look at what's going on with, 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 with the Cardinals. I mean, I, I look at, like, you know, Patrick Pearson. He's getting burned over and over and over. What's going on with Tyron Matthew? He got paid more than, than uh, Earl Thomas. I mean, like, he's he's getting burned as well. And the thing is, is that, you know, I don't know if it, it, it's like a certain complacency with that defense. I have no idea. I don't know. But I do know that, again, the playoff curse is real. When you don't win the big game, which Russell Wilson has won the big game, and he can go through any adversity that you see, you know, he, every year – a guy like, like Russell Wilson will never be marked down for being a guy that's never clutch because he's won a Super Bowl, okay? So think about all the quarterbacks that have been in this league, you know, forever. I mean, we talked about, you know, Peyton Manning for a certain amount of years for not being super clutch. Talk about, you know, um, Dan Marino. We talk about all these other great quarterbacks. You look, you look at what happened with Carson Palmer last year in that Carolina game. He absolutely struggled. And I said last year to I texted you last year during that game. Do you remember when I texted you? I said, "Yeah, this is the end of him." I, I told you that. And I just, mm-hmm. I think it, I, I I knew, you know, after that game, it was just going to be so psychological for him. He, he just wouldn't be able to rebound, Paul. Well, you know, it's just uh, it ain't e- it ain't easy. You know, it's the NFL. It, it isn't easy to stay good. It, it just isn't, and. Uh, it's not, I mean, look, I, I, I know there's a lot of special talent on the field for those two teams. Um, I think, I think part of the, uh, I guess their, 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 the way that they carry themselves has kind of bugged me. Uh, I have respect for them though, but like, you know, Cam Newton, how he handled himself after the Super Bowl loss, just, just looked like a petulant child. And, and then, uh, and then Arians and his just cockiness and, and hasn't done jack squat. All right, folks, the guy hadn't done jack. And and yet everyone, I mean, I'm sure they're already trying to get the Coaches of the Year award ready for him this year. I'm, I'm sure they're gonna, NBC is going to do their best to try to paint how he's somehow the greatest coach of all time, uh, and they're going to go, you know, eight and eight. I don't know. It, it, it makes you think, how does Carroll never, ever get brought up for this? It, it makes no sense. But but it's the way Bruce Arians carries himself, and, and and somehow he's some genius that hasn't done anything. It, it just it's amazing and befuddles me. But those are the two things that rub me the wrong way about both these organizations. And uh, look, we know that we've still got a lot of a lot of way to go in this season. But 
these two teams are not positioned in a place where one being one and three, that sucks. <laughs> okay. But to be one and three and have been picked to win both your divisions, man, they're, they got a long way to go. They do. And I agree. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, th- their schedule is not going to get any easier. Both teams, it's not going to get any easier whatsoever. And the thing that really like discourages me about the Cardinal schedule is that, you know, they, they play like the cream of the crop coming up here soon. And that Rams team, th- they play the Rams team here in six weeks. And so, you know, I'm not going to shortchange the Rams. I think the Rams are going to be really, really good all year. Um, you know, do I do I know that Case Team is going to really be pedestrian like you know I think he is? I I don't know, but I do think that again, with that Rams team, you know they're going to be a, a spoiler, major, 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 major things coming up here soon. So we'll see what's going on with that. But I will say this: when it comes to both the Cardinals and of course the Panthers, I, I think they got really good coaching, but it's not great coaching. I I think that you know where it's left out, you mentioned a really good point earlier. When it comes to these teams, um, you know, I think they're overvalued. I mean, Ron Rivera won the coach of the year last year, and, of course, Bruce Arians won the year after that. I think Bruce Arians has won, like, he won two years in a row. Pete Carroll has never been in that discussion. And let's talk about this. And the biggest thing that really rubs me the wrong way, how come the NFL has never really mentioned John Schneider? They always talk about John Elway, but they never talk about John Schneider as being the top-tier guy in this league. They just never do. And it, 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 it's a shame. It, I think it's a byproduct of this market up here. I, I, I'm sorry. I just do. Absolutely correct. You're abs- Tim, you're absolutely correct. It's, uh, it's the South Alaska, Seattle, South Alaska uh, issue. And, and it's the East Coast. I mean, call it the East Coast bias. They want to frame – the discussion, and they're going to do their darndest to frame it the way they want it. And and look, they want the story to be guys that everyone knows. And and you're right. I mean, it's it's going to be John Elway and what he's done and blah 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 blah. I mean, look, that that this uh, particular uh, and we're talking about Broncos real quick. But that Broncos team, that defense is legit. It's good. It's not as good as it was last year. Okay, but it's very very good. And that offense is circumspect. I. I would love to play them. I would love to play them, okay, especially with a healthy Russell Wilson. But, again, we might have to wait until the Super Bowl to do that, right, folks? So that's fine by me. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that you're right. John Schneider still won't get brought up. It's going to be the John Elway st- story as GM or, or someone else. I mean, it'll probably be the guy from the Falcons. About somebody, He's some genius, right, you know. And, heck, the guy should have been fired last year, all right. And, and that's just – I mean – it's going to be someone else. I mean, heck, Dan Quinn's probably going to get brought up for coach of the year, right? And it ain't going to be Pete Carroll. You know, no one's going to talk about Pete. No one's going to talk about uh, Schneider. And it's just, it's just a byproduct of the market. It's byproduct. And we're not a small market, for God's sakes. We're a big market. But it's, we're South Alaska. And, and the East Coast doesn't want to talk about us. They want to talk about uh, the Jets. They want to talk about the Redskins. They want to talk about uh Dallas they, they want to talk about everybody else and, and the Rams they want to talk about the Rams too for sure I mean heck Jeff Fisher will probably win coach of the year you know and and Bruce Arians will finish a close second more than likely it's just it's just the way these guys are they want to make the story about them and what they think is important as opposed to the actual results on the field I agree I agree 100 percent and you know and 
you know, to kind of close this thing out before we move on to the Mariners and then, you know, we have our final rants because we only have about, what, 20 minutes left in the show. But, uh, you know, look, I mean, I, I to really close this thing out, I, I, I think that Seahawks fans have a lot to be optimistic about. Um, you know, if you're a Cardinal fan or, 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 or like a Carolina Panther fan, I think you have a lot to be worried about. Um, I do think that, that the Rams are fool's gold. I do think they are. Just because of the deficiencies of, of what happened with the with the Cardinals this year, I just think that I look at what's going on with the Rams. I think the Rams are, have a great defense, defense. But if you look at what's going on with, with the Seahawks, I mean, there was a lot of bad calls in that game. We didn't even really talk about that. Oh, and, horrible. Uh, oh, God, horrible calls. And, you know, I, I think Seattle actually had that game won. Unfortunately, you know, look, with the, the injury to, to Wilson and – just everything that happened in that game, you know, you, you throw it away and then we'll see what happens. But I think the season will kind of get up and get out to the Rams. I really do. I think that as they play a long stretch, even though they have a great defense, they are going to lose their fair share of games. Like I think maybe seven games this year, Paul. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on the Rams thing. I mean, their defense is legit. No, nothing taking away nothing from them. Their offense sucks. Yeah, they suck. I mean, we look. We we had Russell Wilson was hobbling around on one leg in their own little house, the Coliseum, which isn't little; it's like a hundred thousand large. But we would have won. They should have won that game. And Kristen Michael had a fumble with the ball in, in uh, on on that great little the third down or third down first down pickup. You know, we would have won that game. I'm telling you, we would have won that game. And and you know what? It, it just it's, this team is just going to be better. We're going to be healthy. Uh, and uh, we're we're gonna torch them in our house. I'm not I'm not even concerned about the Rams. They are going to beat some teams this year, but they're also gonna lose a lot of games. And so again, no worry there. But to touch real quick on that officiating, I want to talk about the first drive of the game. The Jets go down, and there's that 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 quasi they called it an incomplete pass. But this is such so messed up. The NFL gets a chance to have review of a play where a guy catches the ball, has control of the ball, does a 360, and then initiates contact with a defensive player, and he fumbles the ball. And somehow, some way, that's an incomplete pass. How in God's green earth is that an incomplete pass? I mean, am I crazy? Did I see that any differently? I mean, Tim, tell me I'm not crazy. Well, and you're not crazy. I mean, I, I can mention like four calls in that game that went wrong. I mean, you look. I mean, look at that Fitzpatrick pass where you thought it went forward and it didn't go forward. I mean, like his hand was clearly forward on that, and you could hear Earl on the background <laughs> like he was just like his hand was. His hand was going forward, man. So, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> that's the biggest problem with the NFL right now, in my opinion. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> But the biggest thing with the NFL right now, I, I have a big problem with. And Dallas got screwed last week, even though they won in San Francisco. Seems like you know a lot of people talk about America's team and how they get all the calls. They, no, they don't get all the calls. They don't. It, it's equal like play field. It, it, it just seems like when you look at what's going on with the NFL, the officiating really likes to really get into what's going on, and. I would like to equate this as what happened with the Mariners this year with a lot of the officiating, the umpiring this year when it came to balls and strikes and just how atrocious they were. And, you know, one of those games could have made, made a difference for them to, to actually make the playoffs this year. So, again, 
the NFL has to look at themselves and go, okay, well, our, our officiating needs to really stop being so, um, you know, under the microscope because that's what they do. And they make these heat of the moment calls and they're just, you know, they're BS. And look, I'm not, I'm not a fan of what's going on with that poll, but you have to really just give and take what happens every week because you know, you've got to expect it at this point. And unfortunately with these bad calls, you just have to expect it. And, you know, that Tyler Lockett, you know, offensive pass interference to me is one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. It was just the, it was awful. It was atrocious because all he did was actually push off a little bit, but he didn't grab or do anything. I mean, he was trying to defend himself to get the football on that Rams game. And, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying right now is what is a pass interference? You know, and that's why I said years ago, why don't you implement like a replay for that? I think that the NFL should do three things right now. You maybe think I'm nuts, but I'm going to go ahead and say this. A, one, do a replay for pass interference because I do think that if if it is a BS call, you know, they can look at it and say, you know, yes or no on that. And I think that they should take time to look at that. Two, the fumbling call, I, I do agree with you on that too as well. I think that's just, I mean, atrocious. What is a catch? What is not a catch? And they, they still haven't they addressed that. They can't figure you it know, out. And they're, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I agree. And then the third thing is, is you know, in the fourth quarter of a game, if you get a first down, stop the clock, like in college. You have to. You have to. Because that only raises up the competitive, like, gain of the game. And I, I think for me, when I, when I watch the NFL, when it comes to, you know, you know, in the fourth quarter and you're trying to make these games so close, and if you don't implement, like, stopping the clock during, when you get a first down, I think that really hurts a lot because you're trying to make this whole thing so competitive, but, you know, take a page from college football. I mean, that's just my opinion. I, I, I think mm-hmm. those three things, and then I'll let you respond right now about that, Paul, but, I mean, I think those three things, for me, are huge. Uh, well, I think, well, I'll start with what you just said and mentioned there because I think it is an issue. I, I haven't thought of that particular rule and uh, with the clock stopping on first downs like in, like in college being something they would look at. But that would be uh, really a, a, uh, a difference maker, especially with time on the clock. I mean, these, we can see what teams can do with two minutes. I mean, that's a pro team. Two minutes is, is forever for them. And, and, you know, we've seen teams go down the field with one minute and no time on the clock, for God's sakes. Uh, or if you say no timeouts, I mean, they're special, but when you do it like that, I mean, eternity would be 30 seconds for God's sake. I mean, they could really do some amazing things, but let's go back to the NFL. I I don't know what it is. The NFL simply cannot get out of its own way. I mean, I don't know why they can't see the problems, but I have seen already in four games this year with this new catch rule, how absolutely backwards, crazy, stupid it is where guys clearly make catches. And, and again, they're, they're slowing it down, right? They slow it down in slow motion. But a guy catches the ball and does a quote-unquote football move. Well, in our case, in this Jets game, the guy did a goddamn 360. He turned a 360. And then, and, then hit, and then they hit a guy, and it was all happens in a very quick, short period of time, granted. But how is that not a, a catch and a fumble? And you know what? If this is going to happen, I'm telling you right now, this is what's going to happen. It's going to happen in the playoffs. It's going to cost the team a game. And then you're going to see everyone under the sun talking about this again. 
and it's going to be talking about how the catch the catch rule is so screwed up in the NFL and blah 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 blah. You know what? I'll well, say it right I mean, now. I get the Des Bryant real quick. The Des Bryant one from a couple of years ago. I get why they were upset about it, but I also get that why the rule is in place. I get I get both sides of that. Bat shit crazy. I'm sorry. Forgive my language. This doesn't make any that's sense. Okay. That's okay. And, and and this is what's going to happen. It's going to it's this is this is so screwed up what they have going right now. I equate it to the Major League Baseball, where in the in the last year, the beginning of the season, they had that stupid thing where you catch a ball, and on the transition between throwing the ball back into the infield or whatever, if you dropped it, it wasn't a catch. This is, to me, the same thing, but in the NFL. And yeah, it, I It agree. needs to be addressed, and it, it's going to cost some, some team. It's going to cost someone in the playoffs. It's going to happen, and then everyone's going to be talking. They should be talking about it right now because it's so freaking messed up. Well, yeah, I mean, I look at that Des Bryant catch. I mean, that it was a catch. I mean, it was a catch. I mean, what for me, I I, I, saw, I, I watch that all the time. I, I watch it all the time. I don't like the Cowboys at all, Paul. I, I'm not a big Cowboys fan, but, man, the Cowboys got screwed on that play. But, so, but here, but, but I would rather have the rule be that than this. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I get, no, I get why – I get, I get that whole scenario – but I'd rather the rule be that because it's clear. This is freaking batshit crazy. I mean, this is a this is the worst. This this is so great. I mean, anything could be incomplete. Any ball could be incomplete. Any ball. I mean, it makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it, and that's so frustrating because if if you get the ball, you take two steps, and then all all of a sudden it's like incomplete. It just again I. Again, it's about like making these officials a lot more important than what the game is. When it's not about the, I mean, again, we talk, I talked to you about this, you know, three months ago about in Major League Baseball, about how umpires really they 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 want to be focal on this game because you know they call balls and strikes, and what they do is, you know, they screw teams out of games because of what they do by, mm-hmm. by their pride and what they what they say. And the same thing with the NFL, but the thing with the NFL, you're right about this, man. It's going to come down to a colossal thing where they're, they're, people are not only going to be pissed. There's going to be a, like an outright like social media movement on this whole thing, and it's <laughs> going to force the NFL to really just go, okay, well, we need to change yeah. this like right now. But Dean they, Blandino. Dean Blandino is going to get shit canned. That's what's going to happen. Dean Blandino. Yeah, yeah, no pack doubt. your bags, buddy, because you ain't going to have a job at the end of the season. I can tell you right now, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, anyways, so we're going to move real quick to talk about the Mariners' season real quick about how it happened and and just uh, you know, look. I mean, for me, it came down to a couple things with the Mariners and and. It came down to Scott Service keeping his guys in way too long, and he kept a lot of faith into his players. And, you know, I get that. And I understand as a first-year manager, he's never coached in the major leagues at all. I get that. But I think at the same time, when we look at it right now, we're going to dissect it because, I mean, that's how it's going to be. We're so close to getting a playoff spot. But I think, you know, for me, what he had to learn is that you can't keep guys in too long, for one. And for two – um, you know, if guys just can't play, they can't play. And and that's what caused, caught, you know, really lost guys like Lloyd McClendon, his job past couple of years because of keeping Rodney. And you just, you know, the way that Major League Baseball is, you just cannot, you cannot keep a guy in way too long. And unfortunately this year, it, 
in, in many circumstances this year, they they left guys in way too long. It, it, it you know we've we've addressed this, but it's the idea that you know who really runs the team. Is it the players running the team? Is it or is it the manager? You know, you see with the Cubs and all the talent the Cubs have, which is tremendous, right? <laughs> but we also know that Joe Madden, he's the one that's running that team. I think we all would say that. And it comes down to it. He's going to make a call and it's going to be that. And it's, you know, he might take a guy out of the game early. He might not, but, but whatever he does, it's on him. Right. Well, Scott service this year, I can tell you, and I, and I know you might disagree with me, but I, I am dead freaking serious. And I know, you know, I am about this. He cost us the playoffs. Okay. And he cost us by, he he should he I I know he knows the talent of the team. We we had some very talented players, but we have some guys that aren't there yet. And they were in situations where he needs to say, you know what, they're they can't do this. So what I'm gonna it's not necessarily like I need to pinch hit or something like that. I'm talking about they they need to sacrifice themselves and give themselves up to move a guy around or move up in the bases and give the real talent on the team the chance to win the game. And, and you know what? There are so many examples I could come up with. Again, I can, there's so many just flashing through my head as I sit here and say this. But he, every instance, there, I can't think of one where he, he did the right move as a manager and had the guy either move the guy up, bunt him over, whatever it might be, and it always was a, a strikeout. I mean, 95% of the time it was a strikeout or a double play that destroyed and killed an inning that we needed to have a run in needed to have a run. When you have first and second. Okay. I'm going to say right now, folks, when you have first and second in the major leagues, the importance of getting one run in, regardless of what happens in that inning, you must get one run in, especially when it's the eighth inning and you're down a run or you're down two runs and your team can't score a run or can't even touch the pitcher. You've got to score a run. And that's the manager. He needs to make the call that needs to be made, and that means either having a guy bunt who doesn't like bunting or doing whatever needs to happen to get those guys moved up. And you know what? He didn't do it in one instance, not one instance that I can think of, and uh, it, cost us, it cost us playoffs. So, you know what? I hope he gets it fixed. I hope he can make those decisions next year because I'll tell you right now, and you're going to laugh at me, but I'm telling you, if I was managing this team, we would have been in the playoffs. And that's a fact, okay? But you know what? Scott Service – you, you couldn't make those decisions this year. And, and it, it pains me to say this. And I, I mean, man, I would like nothing more to see this team in the playoffs right now. And I, I think, I think you botched it, man. Sorry. No, I'm with you, Paul. I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I think for him to leave in C-Shack for, you know, that many innings, and of course Diaz and, you know, Diaz has to learn a lot. You think about the bullpen decisions he made this year, they just have been atrocious. And then you look at in the beginning of the year, you're actually putting in like Adam Land in situations where you shouldn't. So, you know, I think as a rookie manager, you have to look at it and go, okay, well, you know, hey, no, I screwed up on this plot, this point here. But for me, the thing that's unforgivable is you leave in like C-Shack at key moments where you could have won games and Diaz in key games. And unfortunately, you just, you know, you step, you know, you really kept with your guys because I, I don't know if it's continuity or whatnot, but, you know, those two or three games are four, you know, I can count right now in my hand seven games that you should have won. And unfortunately, you, due to your bullpen loyalty, you lost. And it goes goes back to Lloyd McClendon and how it happened before. Same thing with Rodney. 
same thing. And, you know, look where they're at right now. They haven't made the playoffs in 15 years, so 16 years now. So think about that, Paul. It just, I mean, for me, I just, I, I think about this team and I, I, I think it was a growing pain thing for him, but I think, you know, next year, if they um, allow themselves to actually grow, because I do think that Jerry DePoto is going to make some big moves this, this offseason to make this club a lot better. Um, you know, I think they're going to be right there. But, you know, the big thing, again, you got to compete with Texas because they have probably the most, in my mind, I, I would say organized, like, front office and, of course, uh, coaching staff in Major League Baseball. And you got you got to be there. And right now you're just not on that level right now because Scott Service is a rookie manager. And, you know, he just made bad decisions this year. So, I'll close it out no. with that. Paul, you go and leave your last comments on that, and then we'll go ahead and do oh. our final rants. I, I, I hate to get negative here. I, I, it was so depressing for me to watch these last, uh, oh, geez, probably, what, 15 games, because, you know, we, we – we, this this is a team that at times struggled to score runs, and, and you, you've kind of been looking at it from a defensive perspective at some of the, the moves with the pitching uh, staff. Uh, I'm, I've been talking about the offensive stuff, and – when and I that that is something I specialize in when I when I coach my teams and I you know it's select baseball and everyone's like yeah yeah what, what does this guy really know I'm telling you I know the game okay and and when it came to scoring with teams that guys that necessarily didn't want the best when you, when you didn't have the best talent all right because I'll be honest with you my team that I had again laugh at me if you want but I started this team my team. At late in the year, I said I want to do this, and I took all guys that have been cut from all the best teams in the in the in the in the state. These guys were all cut; they didn't make the team. I had the I had the throwaways. I took that team to second in state. Okay, and the reason I was able to do that was because I understood my my players' capabilities. So if I needed if we needed to do this to score a run, we did it to score a run. Whatever it took. You know, and, and that's and the and the guys and the team understood that that was the right thing to do because it was for the best of the team, not the individual, the best of the team. And that's why I say I think a lot of the decisions Scott Service made this year had to do with I don't want to I don't want to hurt this guy uh, you know, as a hitter. I don't want him to think that I don't have confidence in him because he's a player, quote unquote, player manager, ex-player. Well, the fact of the matter is the managers got to sometimes do those things. And, and there were many instances where this team, regardless of the talent level, didn't make those decisions. And Scott Service cost this team the run. It's, I put it on the manager, not the player, every single time because they are the ones that have to make sure the player knows what the scenario is and then, and then reacts subsequently the right way. And, and it just it didn't happen. So, you know, yeah, we got to wait another year. You know, it feels like we're saying this every year, but, you know, wait till next year. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a real bummer. And um, – yeah, I would have loved to watch. I mean, that, watching that, my God, that, that game last night with the Blue Jays and the Orioles. I mean, folks, right now, the, the, the Giants and the Mets, 0-0, top of the seventh. I mean, you're just seeing great plays. And, and the, 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 the pressure and the – this is what playoff baseball, there's nothing like it because every god darn pitch means something. And, and it's so special to be a part of it, and, and, and the Mariners are, are not yet again part of it. And uh, we're going to have to wait till next year. Yeah, and we'll talk about it here in April again when that comes up. But right now it's going to be Seahawks football coming forward, Paul. We'll talk about that. Oh, yeah. Huskies, we'll talk, we'll talk about Huskies after they 
win in Eugene this week, and I do think they're going to win. And by the way, Paul, before we do our final rant, your prediction uh, for the Huskies going into Eugene, what do you think is going to happen this week? Um, I, I think I, I got the Huskies winning. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and say right now, I, I got them winning 41-28. to 28. Whoa. Well, I, I think their defense is outstanding. So I, I'm not going to tell you right now, the Ducks aren't going to score 28. Um, the, 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 the Huskies team is so it's, – it's such a Peterson job because there's talent all over the field. But they're guys that, you, you know, you might not have heard of before. And he knows where to get these guys and, and make them and, and, and plug them in the right way. The defense is so stout. Uh, the, the, what they did against the, the Stanford is so impressive. Um, and, and, and I'll tell you right now, that's, this is, you know, Husky fans should be excited. And again, I'm not a Husky fan. You guys know that I'm a Sooner as bummer as a freaking, uh, uh, college football season can be for one guy. Trust me, I'm feeling it right now. And, uh, but I can tell you the Huskies are very, very good. And, and, and Brownie is, is looking awesome, you know, throwing the ball around and you got great playmakers. I, I think this is, I think this is an easy win for you guys. I think you're going to go in there and you're going to crush them. I mean, this means a lot to the program. And uh, you're going to set the stage for the Huskies to really go far the rest of this year, uh, getting into that top four and maybe getting into that playoff berth. I mean, you've got, you've got the capability right now. Now, unfortunately, I don't know how you're going to match up against an Alabama-type team or even a Clemson-type team with those types of defenses. That, I think, would be exciting to see. I would love to see you guys get that opportunity to get in the playoffs and check it out. But those are different animals, okay? And I hope people understand that around here. Those are different animals, and uh, and again, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, outstanding work, and I think you guys are going to go in there and win. I'm not going to give a score. I'll just say you're going to crush them. However, for me, I got my Red River rivalry this weekend, Texas Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's going to win, so I'll just say I'll, I'll leave it at that. Back to you. All right, final rant. I got one minute on this final rant. I just want to say that basically, um, I'm very thankful for all the support that everybody's given me so far in my recovery and what I'm doing right now, and just. Everything is good. I'm I'm doing great, and I just want to thank you all for what I'm doing. And good things are about to happen. And uh, you know, I just uh, I want to thank everybody. So, um, yeah, made, that was three seconds. But uh, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for uh, you know backing me up and you know going through what I'm going through and just believing in me. So I appreciate that. Paul, you take the table and take it out the show. Hey, I'll make it quick and easy. Uh, I am very excited about the Seahawks team. I know I've made that abundantly clear in this episode of Double Overtime, but I want to thank everybody out there that's been supporting us and still listening to the show. And, and both Tim and I, you know, we've had a lot of stuff going on in our personal lives, whether it's me uh, swimming across lakes or uh, trying to save my life and, and Tim doing the same in his own way. Uh, but we appreciate all of you out there, Phoebe's included. Yes, we do appreciate you, Phoebe. Uh, that uh, you guys are just amazing folks uh, for staying with us and uh, continuing to help us put, put on this uh, little 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 podcast. And uh, you know we might not be the most listened to one in the world, but we uh, we get our fair share, and we appreciate you uh, out there that that continue to do it. And uh, and just uh, we'll we'll keep trying to provide you the most interesting commentary that we possibly can, uh, and uh, go from there. So go Hawks! Uh, and of course, as I always end it with, uh, good night, Canada. Good night, Canada, and you guys have a great, great, great week and a great night. You guys take care. All right. Bye, guys. Peace.